Welcome everyone to Andy Here's the 80s, the show where for two seasons now we have sought out the best music of the 1980s and listened to it for the very first time. I'm your host Andy and I am joined as always by my co-host Aaron Keck. How are you Aaron? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. You know, we started this endeavor, uh, believe it or not, almost four years ago actually. We, wow. Uh, I know, a little peek behind the curtain. But Although we 2020 recorded... doesn't count. 2020 is just <laughs> such true. a dead year. Well, surprisingly, it was a, I mean, you know, maybe not so surprisingly, but it was a pretty busy year for us here. But Yeah. Yeah, we did great with the with the recording in 2020, but I just completely, like, lo- I've lost track of all sense of time just because 2020 just does not count in my memory. Yeah. We recorded season one in two halves before any of it aired, and both of those halves were about a year apart. And then we managed to, yeah, stay pretty much on track for season two and get got everything uh, out and on time, uh, which uh, thank you for uh, being generous with your time for that. Oh, of course. Thank you for asking me. Well, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we started way back then with just seven albums, those first seven from episode one, the only 80s albums I had prior to this show. <laughs> and uh, now I'm up over 150 and counting. So it's nice. been, uh, we've gotten... Does your 80s collection now dwarf the rest of your collection or... <laughs> it's not quite, uh, let's see. Okay. It probably isn't, it's definitely not quite 90s and above yet, but it's it certainly dwarfs 60s and 70s now, which uh, we'll have to uh, figure out a way to work that out but uh yeah i mean it's fair to say we got a healthy sample of what the 80s has to offer what do you think i think so yeah the one the one fascinating thing is that the 80s are i mean it's a decade of music so there's mm-hmm. no, absolutely no way that we could just keep this going for seasons and seasons and there's still going to be like we could be in season eight and we still would not have gotten to this classic seminal 30 million selling album like there's just so much out there yeah it's true there, there is a ton and i think we did a good job hitting kind of uh you know the obvious ones and the not so obvious ones yeah so i think we got a good sample uh let's see can you guess what the longest album we heard was Ooh, um well it's got to be a double album um mm-hmm. sign of the times that is correct. Sign of the Times. Am I right? Hour, oh, wow. An hour and 20 minutes. What's funny is, so uh, because we were listening to these on CD, the answer to that is Sign of the Times. Uh, Double Nickels on the Dime, if you have the LP, is an hour 21, but the CD version is shorter, and so is therefore an hour and 15 minutes, so five minutes shorter than Sign of the Times. How is a punk album the longest album? Shouldn't <laughs> that be like 18 minutes in and out? I know. Well, every one of those songs is also like a minute, maybe two at the most. Right, so yeah. There's just so many songs. Sorry, guys. We recorded 90 songs. This is all we got. <laughs> uh, well, can you guess what the shortest album is? Uh, either uh, Violent Femmes or Minor Threat. That's close. Well, yeah, Minor Threat probably takes the, the cake for uh, shortest discography, considering that one disc is there is every song they made. It was like uh, 20 minutes one, long, right? It's still like 45 minutes for every song. They okay. Uh, but you were close. The shortest album is Los Angeles by X, which was 28.05. Okay. And then it just narrowly beat out Rain and Blood, which was 28.55. So 50 seconds. Oh, that's short. right. That was a short album. Mm-hmm. Do you know what our shortest episode was? Ooh. 
No, I know what the I know what the the episodes were. I had the least going in to say, but those always ended up and those always ended up being longer <laughs> episodes than I was expecting them to be. Like the fall episode was the one where I was like, I'll, I have one comment to make about this band, and then we ended up talking about them at some length. So, yeah, we we did pretty well. Each episode generally was around an hour. Some were a little over, some a little under. Uh, the shortest episode was episode one hundred three, the old school hip hop episode, which came in. Okay. At just under 42 minutes so we were pretty oh that is on that, one, yeah. that is as long as uh the uh sugar hill gang's first song was <laughs> yeah how long it felt anyway yeah uh do you know what the longest episode rapper's was? delight that, that's the name of it <laughs> yeah making a real good joke there and then completely forgotten the name of the song uh <laughs> longest one was it the first one was it our first episode no, it's actually the most recent, almost uh, the metal episode. It okay. Came in at an oh, yeah, hour we did go on for a while yeah. on that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We kept it talking is... about how good Ace of Spades was. <laughs> yeah, I know it came up a lot. But uh, yeah, that one. Uh, we, you know, we had a. It was a, one of those things where there's so many different artists to cover, and we had seven or eight different albums to listen to. But uh, the fall actually was right behind it. That, that ended up being an hour, an hour twenty-five, something like that. Yeah. Which was impressive, as like you said, you came in with not not much to say. <laughs> I can say the same thing over and over about this guy. <laughs> well, a little bit of housekeeping real quick. Uh, one of the albums we heard in season one, The Pretender's debut, actually came out in December of 1979. Therefore, it's technically not an 80s album. Uh, so, Pretenders indeed. Yeah, exactly. Strike it from the record. We only heard All four right. 80s albums that episode. Was that our shortest album, uh, shortest episode now? <laughs> yeah, maybe if I excise take out the 10 moment. minutes we spent talking about the pretenders. <laughs> yeah, maybe it is. All right, but enough delay. Let's get on to what everybody is here to hear. I'm sure our top five of various categories of the 80s, our favorite songs of different types uh, leading up to our greatest of the 80s here. Uh, let's see. We, uh, we've got top fives for five different categories here. We've got our favorite opening tracks, our favorite cover songs, our favorite sax tracks, our favorite guitar solos, and our favorite closing tracks. Uh, but we couldn't start anywhere else but the opening tracks. And this one was an incredibly difficult category. I ended up. I made I, this. I made this one a little bit easier on myself because we've got those five categories, and then the last thing we'll do is our our top fifteen mm-hmm. just songs of all time, right? And yeah. I made that list first, and that list includes a number of opening tracks. So when I was making this opening tracks list, I just did not consider any of those. So yeah, these are these are really good songs. They're also kind of honorable mentions. Uh huh. Yeah, I I ended up kind of taking your advice on that as well. I I was kind of making all of these lists simultaneously. Nothing was really set in stone until uh, yeah, because I like I had thirty songs in my playlist that I was whittling down for this opening tracks list, and yeah, I ended up deciding that for all of these I'm going to do no overlap, uh, just yep. so we can highlight the most songs. So yeah, I ended up I went with my gut, went for the five opening tracks that I decided were the best and that didn't fit on other categories and uh so before this list changes again why don't i start us off (laughs) all right am i going first with this i'll go first for this one i think okay uh so my top five opening tracks uh what's funny is three of these 
yeah, three of these are from the very first episode. So they're opening tracks that I'd heard for years. So that's probably why those they were stuck with those me. were the albums that you liked enough to have already purchased independently of doing an '80s podcast. So I can see that exactly. So we start off with number five, uh, "Debaser" by the Pixies from Doolittle. It's got right. that incredible bass line, great performance from the whole band. Uh, proves instantly that the greatness from Surfer Rosa was not a fluke. So gracefully avoided the sophomore slump. go to your favorite band sonic youth Ugh. the title the lead off track five <laughs> minutes into this episode <laughs> daydream nation's opening track teenage riot i think i mean it's still a killer guitar track with a great build that sets the tone for what i think is an incredible album. <laughs> you enjoy it <laughs> Number three, I go uh, to Let It Be from The Replacements, I Will Dare. I think, uh, you know, I loved it in season one when we heard it, but then when we did our Replacements episode and heard their whole catalog, it really drove home what a leap Let It Be was for them. And it all starts with uh, I Will Dare.
uh, for number two, I go with Know Your Rights from The Clash, Combat Rock. I mean, this is a public service announcement with guitars. With guitars. That's, that's how you start a record right there. Yes. For number one, uh, I will give a little anecdote. Uh, my wife and I, when we had our fairly small wedding, uh, I made a playlist for the reception, mixed it all together so that into a nice dance mix to play, and I started it with the only song I knew how to start it with, and that is Let's Go Crazy from Prince, from Purple Rain. Nice. And then, uh, if I may, I might as... I, you turned to that song again when I officiated your wedding. So I think it's not just a great opening track, but a perfect opening for life events as well. You you did indeed. I remember that. A world of never ending happiness. You can always see the sun. Day or night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one, Dr. Everything will be alright. have slight overlap on this um okay. so no, my my number five is i i also thought about uh songs that were uh not just great opening tracks from a particular album but also like really emblematic of the band and capturing like the spirit of the the, the particular band and especially if it was the first uh, the opening track from a debut album that really mm -hmm. just the band emerges fully fully formed and fully blossomed just from the get-go. Uh, and I mentioned that because my number five is Radio Free Europe uh, by R.E.M., nice. mm -hmm. um, which is a, just a great, great song just in general.
Uh, number four is Madonna, Like a Prayer, nice. which I had, like, I've got a long list of honorable mention songs that don't even make my top five opening tracks list. And there are two other great opening Madonna tracks. And I think we talked about this in the episode, how good she is at just kicking off an album. Because you've also <laughs> got Material Girl, you've got Papa Don't Preach, but uh, my Madonna representative on this list is Like a Prayer. My number three, I go back to the very first episode we did. It's The Clash, Know Your Rights, mm-hmm. um, which is such a spectacular song. I have, and it's also very, very smart. Like, it's a great kickoff to uh, an album. It's a great opening to a song just in general. It's also a super smart song, one of the smartest that they did on that album, which is a very intelligent album to begin with. I've played this song for classes. Uh, and I teach American government, and we do our section on civil liberties. Like, I'll, I'll play the little snippets of this song as well. So it's, it's good for multiple reasons. Uh, number two off of an album that I wasn't a super huge fan of, but it's an undeniably great song, Start Me Up by the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're going to start an album, uh, yeah. no better way to do it than that. And then my number one, just song that did not quite, quite, quite make the top 15 overall, but came really, really close. Uh, Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. Oh, good one. Yeah. Yeah.
All five, like, very worthy songs of consideration for just all-time grades. Yeah, like I said, I had 30, and I probably could have added even more. I just had to stop at some point because I was like, "There's this is the hardest category to pick, I think. Yes. So, yeah, it was, it was good that uh, there are qualities to some other songs uh, that are opening tracks that <laughs> allowed me to still put them in later, which so keep your ears out for other opening tracks throughout the list. <laughs> They'll show up again. Yeah. All right, let's turn now to our best cover songs of the 80s. It's always fun to hear an artist uh, cover a song on an album uh, and also fun to realize a song is a cover uh, when you hear it uh, and maybe don't know the, the original version. Yeah, a lot of these, a lot of the, the best cover songs are songs that I was totally unaware were covers, including while I was coming up with this particular list. Like we had talked about the album and the song and I still like came back to it later. I was like, oh, this is a cover song. Great. It's on the list. Perfect. <laughs> I've got my five. Let's go. All right. Well, why don't you count us down uh, your top five first? All right. So uh, number five uh, cover song is Luther Vandross, If Only For One Night. of artists who really specialized in covering other people's songs. Luther Vandross is one, he co- you know, a number of cover songs and obviously a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, a lot of originals too, but uh, the next two, and this is, this is the only, this is one of the few little bits of, of overlap that, that I've got with, uh, with my list. I tried to, I tried to divvy it up as much as possible so the same artist doesn't appear on on the same list multiple mm. times, but I mm-hmm. couldn't help myself with cover songs because Grace Jones is yeah. such a great art, uh, coverer of songs. So my number four is Grace Jones' The Apple Stretching, mm-hmm. um, which I'm counting as a cover song because technically that's, uh, that's Melvin Van Peebles. He wrote it for a play. I think she was the first person to record it and release it as a track but it already appeared on stage prior to grace recording it so that's that's my defense of putting the apple stretching here because i just wanted to do it it's such a great song another really smart song too No, it ain't 
And then number three, also Grace Jones, Walking in the Rain. Uh, Mm. Just two fantastic uh, cover songs from Grace Jones. Feeling like a woman. Looking like a man. Sounding like a no-no. Making when I can. Whistling in the darkness. Shining in the light, coming to conclusion, right is night, is tight. Walking, walking in the rain. My number two is the song that I was not aware was a cover song, but was in fact, and I was very excited because I could put it at my number two, uh, Whitney Houston, Saving All My Love For You. Okay. My friends try and tell me find a man of my own, but each time I try, I just break down and cry. I'd rather be home feeling blue. So I'm saving all my love for you. You used to tell me we'd run away together. Love gives you the right to be free. Number one with a bullet is Steel Claw by Tina Turner, which as great an album as Private Dancer is, as many fantastic songs are on that album. Uh, When I listened to it for for this uh, for this podcast, Steel Claw was the one that immediately jumped out at me. And I'd never heard the song before because I hadn't heard the album. And it's it's not a single off the album at all. Mm -hmm. But I love that song. That's one of the, the songs that I take with me from this podcast that I had never heard before that I would never have heard. But I love that song to death. That's a great one. Yeah, it should have been a single from that album. Right. It doesn't even have its own Wikipedia page. Like you go to Wikipedia <laughs> and you look at Private Dancer, like all of the other songs have their own pages except Steel Claw. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. All right. Well, we do have some overlap. Uh, so let's see. Good. I will count down my top five cover songs. 
At number five, I go with Step in Stone by Minor Threat, originally from 1966 by Paul Revere and the Raiders, made famous the same year by the Monkees. Uh, Ian McKay and company, I think, do a really fun version. It's kind of become like a go-to punk cover, I think, for a lot of bands, but I think their version's really cool. And it starts off with a fun, like, super tinny, like, EQ, and then it rises up into the full band sound, which is kind of cool. Beyond Hot Butterfly by Shaka Khan, originally by Bionic Boogie featuring Luther Vandross in 1978. Uh, for me, this was, uh, it's obviously not Shaka Khan's most famous cover song, but this was my favorite of hers. Uh, that Off of my favorite album of hers, of course, Naughty. Number three, I go with Luther Vandross. My favorite cover of his is A House Is Not A Home, uh, originally okay. by Dionne Warwick, 1964. I think that's one of the ones that's like, that he, it's one of those covers that becomes the standard version, right? Mm-hmm. He just made it his own, I think, after that. Even when there's no one sitting there My number two is Steel Claw, Tina Turner. That one, yeah. l- like you said, it's a, it's one of the best songs on that album, and it's crazy that it wasn't a single because it's one of her best songs, I think. That's so good. 
And then my number one is the Apple stretching, Grace Jones. Hey! Yeah. I fully consider it a cover, so no no, no need to worry there. Oh, yeah, like Good. I said, originally uh, <laughs> Melvin Van Peebles, 1982 play, Waltz of the Stork. Uh, but, yeah, Grace Jones completely inhabits that song, and it brings so much personality, which she does to all of her covers. Uh, but the apple stretching is just something really special. My only beef with the apple stretching is that it does go on for seven and a half minutes, and I kind of get the point after four. Mm-hmm. So I, I do kind of ding it a little bit for that. But yeah, it's a it's a fantastic song. Yeah, it's definitely long. But also every time I've listened, I've never thought like, man, I wish this was over already. <laughs> like I'm still just yeah. living in the song the whole time. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the 80s without our next category. We're counting down <laughs> our top five sax tracks. Uh, as we said earlier this season, you never forget bad sax but I wanted to take some time to remember all the good sacks from the 80s as well. Both of them. <laughs> well, I'll start off with my top five. Number five, I had to bring it back, of course, Shooby Doo by Madonna with sacks by Lenny Pickett. That was, of course, off of her Like a Virgin album. Uh, and Lenny Pickett puts down a great sax solo in the song. Lenny Pickett, actually, of the Tower of Power session musician crew, he would later become... SNL's music director from 85 to 95 and uh, yeah one of the reasons why it's one of the best Madonna songs of all time frankly <laughs> I couldn't get past the title. Like I, I literally mm. just could not. Love it. That's a great song. <laughs> well, number four, I go to uh, "Waiting on a Friend" by the Rolling Stones, uh, off okay. of "Tattoo You." Sax That's by fine. Sonny Rollins, uh, the all-time great jazz saxophonist, puts down a couple of good solos in there and makes it probably one of my favorite songs from "Tattoo You." Number three, I go with Hey You by The Cure, the sax by Andrew Brennan. Uh, There's a few different Cure tracks that I was rolling around in contention for this one, but ultimately I think the sax is part of the reason why I like this song so much, and the song wouldn't be the same without it, I don't think.
two, I go with uh, Come Back to Me by X, with sax by Billy Zoom, uh, the mm-hmm. guitarist for the band normally. But uh, I think he puts his sax skills on display here for this melancholy ode to Exine's sister. Uh, it's one of the band's best songs, and I think the sax is also integrated well into the rest of the song. It's not just a great solo. sax track of the 80s is Modern Love by David Bowie, the uh, opening mm. track to Let's Dance. You've got uh, Stan Harrison and Robert Aaron on tenor sax and Steve Elson on baritone sax. I think they give the song that extra oomph that makes it a great opening track and one of the best songs from that album. sax tracks here i am surprised because uh and and some of your picks are like classic sax tracks some of mine are too so the fact that we've got no overlap i like it all right uh so for number five um this is my only this is my only entry from graceland i kept trying to slip Mm. paul simon into uh, various uh, various lists, and this was the only where this was the only place I could put them. But uh, Paul Simon, you can call me Al, which is more I think it's more of a horn section than a sax section, but uh, I'm gonna give it credit for that. Mm-hmm. Um,
it's a good song, good sax break. Uh, number four is uh, one of the more obscure songs off of Born in the USA. Um, but it's one of my favorites, and we got to give Clarence Clemens some love. Uh, Darlington mm-hmm. County by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Um, third, fourth track off of uh, third or third track off of that album, which I've always loved, and the like the the sax solo in the middle of it is just iconic. It's fantastic. Number three, who is the saxophonist on this one? Johnny Kala uh, with Huey Lewis in the News, The Heart of Rock and Roll. Oh, nice. And number two, and I, I started to I started to think about not just uh, saxophone solos that are just good in and of themselves, but also that like create a mood and an atmosphere and mm-hmm. just make you feel like you're in this this kind of drenched '80s kind of vibe. Uh, so my top two really like they're great saxophone solos, but they also create this fantastic mood and atmosphere. Uh, Duran Duran's Rio is my number two mm-hmm. with uh, Andy Hamilton on the sax. And it's it, like there's nothing necessarily like it's not necessarily an immediately memorable riff. It, it just creates this really cool feeling of just being in Rio. then for number one this is my one i've got to go back to the the ultimate source because while darlington county is one of my favorite songs off of born in the usa the iconic saxophone song from born in the usa is bobby jean um which has another just great kind of atmospheric sad uh goodbye solo from from clarence clemens and I'll, i'll put that as my number one
nice. with with honorable mention to several other songs from that same album because that was a that's a great sax album yeah i, I listened to born in the usa again uh while mm. making some of these lists and and i kept th- like waiting for one of the songs to really jump out of me but for some reason i thought that maybe they all were just less than top five for me i don't know that's i fair. enjoy all the sax on there but maybe and i bet you know we haven't heard every bruce springsteen album yet i'm sure there are plenty more great clarence clemens yeah. tracks out there but well don't worry i got i got you covered on born in the usa Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm also not done talking about Born in the USA either, so. <laughs> okay, good. Well, the sax was not the only instrument to shine during our listening sessions. There were still a number of great guitar solos uh, in the 80s, even as the guitar sometimes seemed to take a back seat in the cultural subconscious. Let's count down our five favorite guitar solos, and why don't you start us off, Aaron? I'm kind of excited about this list because you think of a, of, of a guitar solo as being like that moment after the second chorus when the lead guitarist kind of steps forward and and shreds. And I've mm-hmm. got a couple of those. I've got two of those on my top five, but the other three are not the standard stereotypical this shred solo after the after the second chorus. So uh, I'm I'm kind of excited about this list because this is I think my most eclectic of the of the list that we're gonna have, uh, as evidenced by my number five, which is X the Once Over Twice, which mm. has a good guitar solo after the second chorus, and I'm I'm counting it for that reason. It's also got a really great lead guitar riff at the beginning. I love the bass track, which is so simple. I mean, it's literally two notes, but I think it adds so much to the song. So mm-hmm. I count this as as being a song that has several different like variations on a guitar solo and i think all of them are fantastic so that's my number five Uh, number four is a song where the guitar solo really comes at the beginning rather than the middle, and that's Pictures of You by The Cure. Another one of those coming up. Uh, number three, we go to the the sh- the classic uh, shred after the second chorus. Uh, Eddie Van Halen guesting on Michael Jackson's "Beat It." Nice. Um, she can't talk about guitar solos from the '80s without <laughs> at least mentioning that.
my number my number two is another another track where the the, the guitar solo really comes in at the very beginning, and that's uh, U2's "Where the Streets Have No Name." Mm -hmm. Number one, again, uh, kind of can't can't deny this as a great uh, guitar solo. Uh, and it's a repeat for me from the band at number one, uh, Guns N' Roses again with Sweet Child of Mine. Nice. one song overlapping on our list for this one so okay let's see if you can spot it <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it's either gonna be beat it or sweet child of mine but let's see <laughs> well we'll start at number five uh i went with invisible from dio's uh, holy diver uh mm -hmm. his guitarist for that album uh, and for that band really vivian campbell has a lot of great solos on that album but his best for me is invisible which has a great Great little intro solo up top as it builds and then really comes together for a blistering solo in the middle. Well, I think there's a head for me.
I came real close to, and I know you didn't like this song very much, but I came real close to putting Rainbow in the Dark on, on my list. <laughs> well, the, the, I have no problem with the guitar on Rainbow in the Dark, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's just the song. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I also came close that there's no edge on my list. So I, I listened to you 2 again, a few albums, and, and there was a couple that were, that were close, but it didn't quite make the mm-hmm. top five for me. Uh, but number four for me, I go uh, to a band that we only mentioned in passing uh, in our alternative episode. I uh, regretted choosing Jane's Addiction over Dinosaur Jr., uh, so I wanted to give Dinosaur Jr. some love here with their song Raisins from uh, You're Living All Over Me. I think this one, Jay Mascus is a great guitar player. It's one of the reasons I love that band and his solo that he actually just absolutely rips out of his guitar for this song makes it uh, stand out for me. this album yet oh it's good you might have to listen to to it soon i'll have to check it out yeah (laughs) uh for number three i go uh now a momentary lapse in reason is not my favorite pink floyd album by a long (laughs) stretch uh i went on record as such in episode one but uh david gilmore is still an incredible guitar player and his solo on the song on the turning away I think is still a really great guitar solo. It's a little reminiscent of some of their other songs, but when your other songs are as great as theirs are, that's not necessarily a bad thing.
number two. I'm impressed we made we added Pink Floyd to our to our top anything list. <laughs> well, I listened to that. It was funny. I was listening to that album again, per- specifically to pick out if there was any guitar solos or sax parts that I thought were okay. worth, worthy of uh, of mention, and there was. So, uh, number two, I go uh, to Talking Heads, uh, Born Under Punches. They have a number of guest uh, performers on this album. And there's a guitar solo by uh, Adrian Ballou, who previous to this played with Frank Zappa and David Bowie. Uh, his solo uh, towards the end of Born Under Punches, uh, it barely even sounds like a guitar. It's just this wild, affected series of bleeps and screeches. But I think it's <laughs> a, an absolutely incredible piece of that song and part of what makes that song great. very close on a similar note to including uh, Ministry's Thieves, which also doesn't sound like a guitar solo at all, but I loved it just because of what they're able to evoke with the guitars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that's kind of cool about this time period, is people are playing around with a lot of different sounds. But, I mean, the other good thing is sometimes you just rip out an all-time classic guitar solo like Slash does on Sweet Child of Mine, which is my number yep. one guitar solo as well. I mean, Snub and beat it, okay. Yeah, I mean, that one was certainly in the contention when I was listening to them, but, I mean, these ones just stood out more to me, especially Sweet Child of Mine. I mean, it's melodic, That's it's memorable, so good. Yeah. technically impressive, and it does that great thing of guiding the song from one part to the to the la- like the closing section of the song, which is always yep. great. That's such a great song, too, because Slash is so good all the way through, and then like Axel comes in at the end with that last note of his mm-hmm. that's just tops it all like it's just the two of them just dueling all the way through this song and both of them are bringing their A games yeah it really everybody is because I love the bass line in that song too yes it's yeah. the perfect counter to the guitar part but I think that's one of those rare songs where like yes it's been played 10 million times but it actually is still a really good song Right, our last category before we get to our top 15s, of course, we have to close it out with our best closing tracks of the 80s. Equally important to starting an album strong, I think, is ending strong as well. And there was a lot of great closing tracks on the albums we heard. So I will start us off with my picks for the top five. Uh, f- number five for me, I went with uh, Superstar Until You Come Back to Me, Luther Vandross from Busybody. He is a master of the medley and putting these songs together at the end of the album. Uh, I mean, even at over nine minutes, it still has such a great, uh, great presence throughout the whole song. And of course his voice sounds incredible as always.
Number four for me, I go with uh, Hallowed Be Thy Name from Iron Maidens, Number of the Beast. Uh, mm. I don't like to use the word epic lightly, but uh, this, this song, I think, truly earns the epic title. That closes out one of the best metal albums of the 80s. It has a great build, great dueling guitars, great energy, just a great, great song all around. Sacrificial Bonfire from Skylarking from XTC. Uh, the idea behind Skylarking's song sequence was for the songs to kind of flow from a sunrise to sunset, and I think Sacrificial Bonfire perfectly captures the intended denouement for that record. A great build with a great arrangement, I think, that closes out the album perfectly. go back to Talking Heads, but this time uh, the closing track from Speaking in Tongues. This must be the place, Naive Melody. Mm -hmm. Uh, After we heard Remain in Light, I picked up just about every other Talking Heads album, and this one stood out to me as becoming one of my favorites. Part of it is because this closing song is so so fantastic. It's got it's danceable, but still vulnerable somehow, uh, and really ends the album on a high point.
But number one for me, best closing track of the 80s is, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Grace Jones from Slave to the Rhythm. I think right. th- this being the culmination of the entirety of that album, I think perfectly kind of pits, takes out little bits from each of the songs before it. And I like that it is kind of in contrast to the explosive opening. This is a little bit more of a down tempo. It almost feels like a victory lap by the end of this album. significant overlap here but Ooh. not even close to being the overlap i was expecting uh <laughs> there is there is an obvious closing track which you have left off your list sir which i assume is going to show up in your top 15 then um, yeah maybe it just might if it's the one if it's the obvious one i'm thinking you're saying is obvious it's, it's got to be the obvious one you're <laughs> thinking of uh if you started with Luther Vandross, then there's no way that this wouldn't have been on. But we'll, but I digress. We'll we'll come uh-huh. back to you. Uh, all right. So, uh, top five closing tracks. I had a problem with this one. I had so, I had such a time like going through and finding all of these fantastic opening tracks. Like, oh, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. And then I started looking at closing tracks, and there were two or three really obvious, like, yep, these for sure. And then mm-hmm. I, for whatever reason, like, I could not find any really, really great, oh, this one for sure closing tracks. But I did, I did come up with a list of five really good ones. Uh, and my number five is Chaka Khan, Our Love's in Danger. Um, it's one of my favorite Chaka Khan songs, just generally, and uh, it it closed out the it closed out that album. My number four is an XTC song, but not your XTC song. Oh. Uh, I went with Dear God, um, which is, again, a little bit of a, a, a different uh, take on XTC, but definitely stood out as being one of my one of my favorites from them. I guess it depends uh, which number... version of Skylarking you listen to, which closing track you get. Yeah. Are, are bo- wait, are both of them off of Skylarking? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Okay. 
All right. Well, the closing track off of Skylarking then. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, because I think uh, it, there there are different versions since Dear God wasn't on there originally. Uh, there are oh, some. Oh, that's where, right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So Dear God's technically a bonus track, so, but I think sometimes it appears, like on my copy of the CD, it appears, you know, partway through the second side, what would be the second side, and then Sacrificial okay. Bonfire is the end. But I bet yeah, there the are plenty of versions. Yeah, the version I had had Dear yeah. God at the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway, Skylarking, that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, whatever they ended with was great. Uh, number three is our is our specific overlap, Luther Vandross, Superstar Until You Come Back to Me, which, again, is just a, an epic closer. It's yeah. Luther at his best. It's Luther at his sexiest. Mm -hmm. um, and and two fantastic uh, two fantastic covers as well. Like that could have been on the cover list. Yeah. Uh, number two, I'll go back to Born in the USA, uh, Bruce Springsteen, My Hometown, mm -hmm. um, which is again like on that album, a song that kind of gets lost in the shuffle, but it's a it's a great one. Our main streets are whitewashed windows and vacant stores. Seems like there ain't nobody wants to come down here no more. They're closing down the textile mill across the railroad tracks. Mormon says these jobs are going, boys, and they And then my number one closing track, which does not appear on my top 15, but I assume is going to show up somewhere <laughs> on yours, is Purple Rain by Prince. Yes, we shall see where that shows up. Uh, it for, it uh, can't not, right? <laughs> like... <laughs> I 
with with honorable mention for International Lover, which is another great closing track off a off a Prince yeah. album. I know it, but it you was can't tough deny to, Purple Rain. Yeah, I think it, I was looking at a few different Prince ones, uh, but ultimately maybe one will show up still in this episode, but other ones uh, are just outside the top. <laughs> Just giving it away here. <laughs> well, now here here we are for the main event, our top 15 songs of the decade. Uh, this was a fun one to compile. It was also hard, of course, to narrow down. Uh, oh, I was so glad hard. to have 15 rather than just five. Uh, 15 also is the magic number for where Spotify won't add random songs to your playlist. So that's half the yeah. reason why that's 15. <laughs> but uh, Was it half was, the reason why, or was it like 75% of the reason why? Uh, d- half at most, because I use Apple Music for myself okay. most of the time. But All if right. I'm sharing a playlist, right. I go to Spotify. But uh, I will yeah, say I before feel- we get started that I that I did a really good job with, with all of these lists together, and I thank you for coming up with all of the different categories, because it enabled me to include great artists that I wasn't able to include in the top 15. Uh, the only artist that I kept desperately trying to find a place for and feeling really bad about the fact that I couldn't was the replacement. So I'm glad mm. you've already got them covered. Yeah, I I, I have a, a similar feeling. I don't have any fall songs on here, which I was trying to fit them somewhere and, and couldn't. But uh, I, I, I'm, I might be able to cover you on that. Okay, we'll good. It was funny. I was <laughs> the other, the only category I was trying to like consider adding, but didn't because I figured it, there wasn't enough, or we'd have identical lists. Is uh, I was going to do top five non-album singles, so there'd be mm-hmm. like uh, uh, Level Terrace Apart and Blue Monday, and I would put Totally Wired on there. But ultimately, I was like, I don't know if there's five, and that's a little bit too esoteric of a list. But yeah, I think I agree with that. Anything else before we get to the top 15 that you wanted to shout out that we haven't covered? I've got uh, everything is off of my chest. Okay. <laughs> well, without further ado, we'll, we'll make it nice and dramatic. We'll count down 15 to 11 and then 10 to 6, and then we'll alternate uh, our top fives one by one. So uh, let's see. Why don't you start us off with your right. 15 through 11? So my, my top 15 includes, I think, 13 legitimate huge hits and then two that kind of that kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, number 15, though, is Echo and the Bunnymen, The Killing Moon, Ooh, okay. which is for for that genre. Like it's not not easy to be epic, but that's a that's a fantastic song. Although now I associate it in my head so much with Donnie Darko for some reason that <laughs> I cannot listen to this song without like closing my eyes and picturing him on his bike like riding through town does not matter it's still a great song Number 14 is a, a great opening track, Blister in the Sun, The Violent Femmes. 
Nice. Um, say about that one that's just a great one uh mm-hmm. number 13 is uh an nwa song but not like the the obvious nwa song i went with express yourself nice. which i loved instantly and i again had not heard had not listened to uh nwa I had not listened to that album all the way through from start to finish so when we did for this uh, for this podcast, for that episode, that was my first time, like actually sitting down and really listening to their version of "Express Yourself," which I loved. I think it's a fantastic song. From the heart, because if you want to start to move up the chart, then expression is a big part of it. You ain't efficient when you flow. You ain't swift moving like a tortoise. I got rhymes in my mind and better like an embryo or a lesson, all of them expression. And if you start fessing, I got a Smith and Wesson for you. I might ignore your record because it has no bottom. I get loose in the summer, winter, spring, and autumn. It's Dre on the mic getting physical. Doing the job in WA is the lynch mob. It's a macabre, but you know you need this. And the knowledge is growing just like a fetus or a tumor. But here's the rumor. Dre's in the neighborhood and he's up to no good. When I start expressing myself, yell a slam it. Cause if I stay funky like this, I'm doing damage. Your armor be too hyped and need a straight jacket. I got knowledge and other suckers lack it. So when you see Dre, a DJ, on the mic, ask what it's like. It's like we're getting hyped tonight. Cause if I strike, it ain't for your good health. But I won't strike if you just scratch um, number 12 is an artist we have not mentioned yet, but, uh, John Lennon, uh, watching the mm-hmm. wheels, which mm-hmm. is another, again, like underrated how clever and smart it is. Uh, yeah. People say I'm lazy. Dreaming my life away. Well, they give me all kinds of advice Designed to enlighten me When I tell them that I'm doing fine Watching shadows on the wall Don't you miss the big time, boy You're no longer on the ball I'm just sitting here Have, we didn't talk about piano riffs, but like as far as piano tracks go, 
Uh, that's one of the best ones of the of the 80s. And then my number 11 uh, is Michael Jackson again with Thriller. Nice. Another underrated smart song. Like, I, like first time I actually listened to the lyrics to that one. It's like, ooh, that's a clever twist at the end. I like it. Yeah. I will say uh, Thriller just missed my top 15. I don't have it mm-hmm. on my uh, on my list. But, I, I mean, there's so many great songs on that album. And I uh, want to be starting something <laughs> just missed the top opening tracks. I mean, Beat It just missed a solo. There's a lot of just missing uh, from yeah. that one. But I uh, still maintain that there are exactly four good songs on that album, but they are so good all in a row. <laughs> yeah. There's a, it is like I mean it's one of those ones where the hits completely carry the uh the album. But, yeah. But my top fifteen starts with number fifteen. I went with uh, Waltz the Halls Always from Game Theory from Real Nighttime. This one okay. was uh, number two on my list of theirs when we did the episode, but has since overtaken The Waste in the Knees as my favorite Game Theory song. Mm-hmm. And I think just one of my favorite songs from uh, from the decade. Number 14 for me, I go with Panama from Van Halen from their 1984 album. And what can I say? I'm still not tired of it after hearing it thousands and thousands <laughs> of times. So Hearing it over and over again, yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, Eddie does a great job, great guitar solo on here, great guitar riff, but has the biggest flex of all time revving his Lamborghini in this track as well. Number 13 for me, I go to R.E.M.'s Life and How to Live It from Fables of the Reconstruction. After mm-hmm. we heard Murmur in season one, and then of course did our R.E.M. Madness bracket for all the singles. At this point, I have every R.E.M. album, and this song is still my favorite of theirs, I think, of any, of any album, any era.
Nice. Number 12, I go back to Combat Rock from The Clash for Rock the Casbah. And what else is there to say about this song, really? I mean, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And then for 11 for me was another great opening track, uh, Kate Bush, Running Up That Hill from Hounds of Love. That's another one that I wanted to include somewhere and couldn't. Yeah, that was one that was freed up from my list once I decided there wasn't any overlap. And then I put it on here because it just has a fantastic build. It's a great performance. It's just fantastic from start to finish. I have to, I also have to apologize because my, and this is very unintentional and I'm usually a lot better about this, but my top 15 is very dude heavy in terms of uh, lead singers. Um, so all the more reason why I wanted to put Kate Bush there, but, but couldn't quite fit it. Well, there you go. I got you covered. All right, good. All right. Well, speaking of dude heavy, uh, number 10, <laughs> Motorhead, Ace of Spades. Nice. That's your number 10. Uh, yeah, that's my number 10. Um, nice. I mean, again, like we we talked at length about how much we love that song, so I gotta I gotta go with that one for for number ten. It's 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 also interesting. Like my top three are definitely my top three, and then ask me again on any given day, and I'll switch the order around for all of these other ones. Yeah. Um, but I think Ace of Spades is definitely a top ten song somewhere. Uh, number nine, I'll go back to Duran Duran, Hungry Like the Wolf, which is far mm-hmm. and away my favorite Duran Duran song, period, and uh, off of Rio, just is a fantastic song. Also, just kind of randomly, and I don't, I don't understand what this says about me, if anything, but as you know, I work at a, a radio station. We have a music playlist, and we have a special... Uh, we have a music playlist, which is adult album alternative, and there's a couple of songs 
on my top 15 that are in our general playlist. There is a large number of songs that are in our special Halloween playlist, which <laughs> are on my top 15. We've got The Killing Moon, we've got Thriller, and we've got Hungry Like the Wolf, like all in the Halloween playlist. And for nice. some reason, like I just love those like Halloween adjacent songs. I don't <laughs> quite understand what that's about, but so it goes. So that's my number nine. Uh, number eight is a band I don't think we've mentioned yet, but Tears for Fears, uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Um, just a, like, that's, a, that's just a great single that continues to hold up after multiple, uh, multiple listenings. Number seven, and I promise you this is my last time I'm going to come back to this album, but we'll go with the opening track, Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA. Cool. All right. Um, have to ding in a few points because as, as smart as Bruce Springsteen is, he went over some people's heads and they misinterpreted it, and that's kind of his fault a little bit, but yeah. still a great song. And then for number six, a song that I probably don't like as much as Born in the USA, but which does a better job uh, hitting the point, uh, R.E.M., It's the End of the World as We Know It. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Although I still have no idea what that point actually is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But nobody misinterprets it, I suppose. So. Nobody misinterprets it right. Something to do with <laughs> LB, and that's all we know. <laughs> yeah. Number 10, we are in agreement for the 10th best song of the 80s, and it is Ace of Spades by Motorhead. Ace of Spades. Yeah. Yep. Just one of the most kick-ass songs of all time. I mean, you mm. really can't dispute it. Uh, number nine, I go with Under the Big Black Sun by X from Under the Big Black Sun. It's the, mm. the one-two punch of Please Come Back and Under the Big Black Sun. makes It's a high point in the X catalog for me, and this one in particular stands out as being just such... A moving and tragic song that is also still full of life and energy. I, I, it's my, probably my favorite song of theirs still. Well, I, I know for a fact it is because <laughs> they're not on yeah, this list. <laughs>
Number eight for me, I go for the replacements Unsatisfied from Let It Be. This is one that stood out to me from the very first time we heard it uh, and then continues to just be one of my favorite songs of theirs. It's just such a great song. It's performed so passionately uh, and just shows that these guys can be understated at the same time as being the, the crazy bar band that they often are. unsatisfied and bastards of young both on my like general Mm -hmm. for consideration on this list list and neither of them quite made it but yeah unsatisfied is fantastic yeah uh number seven for me i go with another fantastic opening track that i took off of that list and put on this one uh it's clouds from shaka khan's naughty just that song just still just gets me going every time it comes on i think it's so great Number six for me, one that appeared earlier on yours. This is where I have The Killing Moon from Echo and the Bunnymen. From nice. Rain. Another great song. And yes, I also associate it with Donnie Darko. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, unfortunately, Donnie Darko ruined like several songs. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe maybe it uh, it also, I wouldn't say ruins, but maybe it also has a needle drop for another song that's to come on my list. Ooh, all right, all right. All right, so now we're cracking the top five here. Why don't you give us your number five pick? I mentioned uh, 13 hits and two that are a little bit more obscure. One of those two that uh, that was a little bit more obscure was Express Yourself by NWA, which is still like that's a that's a decent sized hit, just not a like super mega hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number five is the one that just completely comes out of nowhere. It's a song that I had never heard before i had never heard of it before i had heard very little by this band before but this song came on when i was listening to this album for the first time i immediately loved it i'm driving in my car listening to this cd and i think i played it four times in a row um before I was before I was ready to move on, which is okay because it only takes eight minutes to play this song four times in a row. Uh, the Dead Kennedys, Lynch, let's lynch the landlord. Oh, nice. The landlord's here to visit. They're blasting disco down below. Says I'm doubling the rent because I'm building some damn. You're gonna. 
I don't know why I love this song so much, but I do. <laughs> and I'm not like I'm not even that big of a fan of just the Dead Kennedys in general. Like the rest of the album is good, but this song, like something about this song, I love it. Yeah, that's a great one. It it sounds great and has a has a great message as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my number five pick. Uh, I go with The Cures, Just Like Heaven, from Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. Nice. Uh, one of uh, the quarantine activities that I kept busy with in 2020 was covering songs with some family members where we'd all record our parts separately and then combine them in GarageBand. And one oh, of the songs awesome. we did that with was Just Like Heaven. And really picking it apart into all the little pieces just gave me an even greater appreciation than I already had for it. But it's a great song. Yeah. number four is an overlap with one that you've already got on your top 15 rock the casbah by the clash nice again like we've got i i might like born in the usa better but rock the casbah actually made the point and did it correctly so mm-hmm. bonus and points to the clash yeah just uh, every part of that song is so great from the guitar to yeah. the piano to the vocals everything he really really hates it <laughs> All right, my number four, I go with Bring the Noise from Public Enemy. It takes the nation right. and holds us back. Just another undisputed jam that transcends all time and space. I think Chuck D has an incredible flow on this one. Bomb Squad with their explosive production. Uh, I think it just sounds just as good in 2021 as it did in 88. Yeah, how low can you go? Death Row. What a brother know once again back is the incredible rhyme animal, the uncannable thief, public enemy number one, five folks said freeze, and I got numb, can I tell them that I really never had a gun, but it's the wax that determined they the X-Bun, now they got me in the cell cause my records they sell, cause a brother like me said well, Farrakhan's a prophet and I think you wanna listen to what he can say to you, what you wanna do is follow for now, power what the people say, make a miracle, keep up the lyrical, black is back all in, we're gonna win, check it out. All right, so I've said my top three are definitely my top three. Uh, all of the others are great, but I think the these top three stand out for me as as the best of the best. And they're all they're all huge mega hits. There there's there's not going to be any big surprises here. Uh, but my number three, I'll go back to you two, with or without you. Nice.
number three is uh, uh, another, pro I would yeah certainly consider it a mega hit. This one is Fast Car, Tracy Chapman, from her self-titled debut album. One of the most beautifully tragic and tragically beautiful songs of all time. Yeah. Uh, I think there's, you know, it's one of those songs where that balances the hope and the sadness at the same time. And I think that's all perfectly reflected in the arrangement. Just an all time great song. Yep. All right, uh, number two, I already had Thriller on my top 15, but uh, it's not the best song on that album. The best song on that album is Billie Jean. So we'll go with uh, we'll go with Billie Jean by Michael Jackson as number two, which I still to this day think is the best dance song, the best pop song ever made. Um, there are there are a lot of contenders for that title, but you can you can very easily make a real strong case for Billie Jean. Yeah, so it's all. But still, my favorite, I think, on Thriller still is Human Nature, which was just outside my top 15. Human Nature is a great... Song. Yeah. Human Nature just missed my top 15. Uh, just Like Heaven also missed my top 15, since you mentioned that one earlier. But yeah, I really think like the there's four songs right in a row, and it's Thriller, Billie Jean, Beat It, and Human Nature. And those are four songs all in a row in the middle of that album. And... I know people like want to be starting something. I know people like PYT, but honestly, in my opinion, like everything before and after that run of four is total crap. And I don't ever want to hear any of it again, but you can give <laughs> me those four songs and I will listen to them in a row forever. Nice. Well, my number two song for the eighties, I go with, uh, tears for fears, head over heels. Songs Ooh, from the big chair. That's a good one too. Yeah, that's that's my favorite from that album by far. I think every you can listen to it a thousand times, focusing on a different part of the song, and you'll find something new to enjoy. I think uh, it has a great bassline, great guitar, great piano part, of course, uh, and also one of the rare songs that works equally well as both a single and within the context of the album. Uh, mm -hmm. The song "Broken" before it kind of seeds that piano riff and some of the lyrics, and then gets reprised at the end of the song. I think it's fantastic.
So we're down to number one, aren't we? Time for your number one song of the 80s. All right. So I did say that my top 15 was very dude heavy. So far, we've got 14 songs on my top 15, and all 14 of them have had male vocalists. But I'm going to try to redeem myself here because my number one... Um, like not even a question i i put this song at number one and then i worked out the rest (laughs) of the top 15 because there is not a question about this for me uh and given your list and given what i assume your number one is about to be uh i think we can say that between the two of us collectively this is the song that is our our uh consensus number one because it's fast car um yeah (laughs) like yeah that's true it, it is one of those ones like we're listening to each other do these lists and like when's he gonna say fast car because <laughs> <laughs> you knew right like i think in yeah. the in the album i talked or in the in the episode where we talked about it i'm like i think this is my favorite song of the 80s yeah it's a great song yeah it is also one where like yeah you know making the big playlist to whittle down to 15 there were songs that went on first because I knew they were going to make it a cut, and that was definitely one of them. Yeah. And I also really like songs that aren't just, I mean, it's melodic, the the guitar is great, the singing is great, like it's instantly recognizable, it's catchy, you sing along with it. But I also love just smart lyrics, right? Like mm-hmm. um, like lyrics that... that make a point but also know how to tell a story right like this is a song that does not ever hit you over the head with a point Mm -hmm. but you know by the time you're done yeah 100 percent. i mean that just it's so like that's why i call i mean it's a beautifully tragic and tragically beautiful song i mean yeah the the story she's telling in that song is so like uh, i mean it's tragic but you yeah then then there's the chorus where you you feel you remember when she was driving and then yep. you, you feel that there's hope and you, you even his arm wrapped around my shoulder there's all those little bits where you're like man there's it could be good couldn't it but then maybe not <laughs> yeah i know it's a great song but for me number one <laughs> <laughs> as you probably guessed it's Purple Rain from Prince. Purple Rain. From Purple yep. Rain. <laughs> more than a great closing track. More than a great title the track. The most anticlimactic number yeah. one reveal of all time. You probably saw it coming a mile away. <laughs> but I, I still think it's my favorite song of the 80s by far. Powerful rhythm guitar from Wendy Melvoin. Incomparable lead guitar from Prince. Beautiful melody. And of course, one of the great builds in music history. Just unbeatable. And just outside the ball your top should have covered it. <laughs> yeah. That would be a great cover. It would not. <laughs> it would not. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are our picks for the best songs of the 80s, the best opening tracks, best covers, best sax tracks, best guitar solos, best closing tracks, and, of course, just plain songs. I was thinking, uh, let's see, what else? You know, I wanted to try and fit some kind of album category in here, but... Whittling it down was difficult. I got it down to a list of 64 albums, but I just don't know how to narrow it down any further. Unless you have I any don't ideas. Know. Uh, man, if there was only something we could do with 64 albums, Andy. Yeah, I mean, just a, it's a perfect round number, 64. Wait a second. Unless 
Aaron. The, is an the idea mad, forming in your head? More than an idea. The, the madness is crawling back inside me. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you say? Should we reconvene in March and try and hash out what the best album of the 80s is via a March Madness bracket? Uh, let's do it, Andy. <laughs> okay, sounds great. It's settled then. <laughs> Well, keep an You're eye out. You're not going to do that. another one of these brackets where you put the two best albums like right next to each other in round number two, and we have to decide between losing my religion and night swimming again, right? Well, I've got some I've got some bad news for me, really, because I've already started to make the bracket, and I know one that I'm already hating. But nice, I'm in a prison of my own making, I suppose. But all right. Well, we will return in March for another bracket competition. This time to decide the best album of the 1980s until then you can follow us on twitter at andy hears it facebook.com slash andy hears it email us at andy hears it at gmail.com rate and review the show wherever you listen to it tell all your friends tell us what your favorite songs of the 80s are let us know which episodes of the show were your favorites which moments were your favorites how many times did we mention abbey road how many times did i say something <laughs> as a great build uh, definitely let us know thank you everyone out there for listening and thank you very much aaron for joining me thank you Until next time, remember, it's never too late to discover great music that's new to you. We'll see you next time.